Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to episode 35 of Crime Time for Thursday, January 10th on FayObserver.com. Featuring Fayetteville Observer Police and Crime Reporter Nancy McCleary. I'm Sonny Jones. On the podcast, we'll look at issues involving crime, courts, and public safety. Highlighting stories in the news. And a reminder, anyone we discuss who has been charged with a crime is presumed innocent until found guilty in a court of law. Well, it's been a while since we've posted a Crime Time podcast. It's great to be back on the pod. Let's get started. You ready, Nancy? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Two grisly and gruesome murder cases have had arrest recently. One involves a brutal beating that happened in October. The second involves a man who went missing almost a year ago and whose body has yet to be found. In that second case, 23-year-old Ryan Dwayne Chavis of Tall Pine Drive in Fayetteville was charged January 3rd with first-degree murder, first-degree kidnapping, and conspiracy in the death of 31-year-old Charles Anthony Fuentes. According to documents in the Cumberland County Magistrate's Office, Fuentes was fatally beaten and his battered body stuffed into a metal dog cage. His remains have not been found. Chavis appeared in a courtroom in the Cumberland County Detention Center on Friday, January 5th. The Observer's Nancy McCleary was in the courtroom for that hearing. Nancy, set the scene for us. What happened during Chavis' appearance? Well, Chavis appeared um, in the small courtroom at the detention center. Um, he showed no emotion as he stood um, before Judge Lou Alvera, um, and he just was emotionless, and he never looked at the victim's family, and they were seated inside that small courtroom, um, never looked at them during the brief appearance. Um, they did, in fact, set a bond on the robbery with a dangerous weapon and first-degree kidnapping charge. That's $2.5 million. However, the first-degree murder has no bond, and that kind of trumps the other bond. Okay. And also, um, these charges were new. Chavis had been in jail since August in connection with the case, and at that time he was charged with being an accessory after the fact to murder. That charge was dismissed, and these new charges with first-degree murder, um, kidnapping, and conspiracy charges were, in fact, filed. Now, if you went to his parents, as you were in the courtroom, you mentioned family members were there during Chavis' appearance. You had the chance to speak with Myra Fuentes, the mother of Charles Anthony Fuentes. She must be devastated as more details emerge on this case. Um, she is, but she also expressed forgiveness for her son's killers, and both parents want to find the body. Myra Fuentes said after the hearing that she thought Chavis was evil, that he has no heart, and that she will pray for him. Their father, uh, Charles Fuentes, said his son deserves a Christian burial. This this has been a complicated case. We talked about it earlier on Past Crime Time podcast. Let's look at the background, if you will, that got us to the last week's hearing in court. Now, Charles Anthony Fuentes, the victim, 
was last seen leaving Izzy Sports Bar on Andrews Road on March 3rd with Chavis and Mark Allen Verhasselt, who also was from Fayetteville. Then what happened, according to authorities? Well, the three of them wound up in an apartment off of Ramsey Street where Fuentes was beaten and his body stuffed into a metal dog cage, according to arrest documents. Chavis was arrested, as we said earlier, in August and, as mentioned, initially charged with being an accessory after the fact to murder. Now, what about uh, Verhausa that uh, we just mentioned? He was found shot to death in July in a parking lot in Horry County, South Carolina, in July. Any uh, connection with uh, Fuentes' death? Police don't think his death is related to the Fuentes' kidnapping and death. Initially, police were told Verhasselt and Chavis drove Fuentes to an apartment in the Rose Hill Road area where they dropped him off, according to the arrest documents. But investigators then received information from, quote, several different subjects, all who wished to remain anonymous, that Verhasselt and Chavis possibly killed the victim and disposed of his body. Statements say that Verhasselt was acting paranoid and left the Fayetteville area trying to stay under the radar. Any leads on uh, finding Fuente's body so far as the father says so he can have a Christian burial? No, um, they have not found a body yet. Um, Documents say that in November, um, a relative of Chavis, who was charged with killing Fuentes, told police that, quote, the victim's body will never be found. Now, what about a a motive in this case? Has anything shown why uh, Fuentes was beaten to death and his body disposed of? And has there been any arrest in Verhasselt's murder? Um, As far as the motive, there's been nothing that really stood out. Um, They went back to that apartment, and according to the documents, Verhasselt beat Fuentes with a liquor bottle and a gun. Um, but no motive was given. Look, I'm sure all that will come out in trial uh, when it reaches that point. And yes, there were arrests in Verhassel's case. Two guys, two people were charged. Both of them are from Fayetteville. One is a soldier, but I don't have their names. Yeah, okay, I yeah. remember yeah. that. Yeah, we spoke about that on Crime Time. I should have looked that up before I came That's in That's on here. you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, truly, uh, we'll see how that case progresses. The other murder case we want to look at is that of 25-year-old Taisha Williams. Her body was found October 12th in a ditch near a playground in Windsor Terrace neighborhood off Ramsey Street. An arrest was made this week. Who's been charged, Nancy? 23-year-old William Enoch Thomas of North Windsor Drive has been charged with first-degree murder, first-degree rape, first-degree kidnapping, and robbery with a dangerous weapon. Judge Lou Alvera told Thomas that he could face the death penalty. He's currently being held on a $2 million bond. So what did police say happened in this case? They say that Taisha Williams was robbed of a phone money and a ring that her mother had given her that signified the bond between mother and child police say that thomas used a baseball bat to beat taisha williams about the head and the face and she died from blunt force trauma now did taisha williams and william thomas the man accused know each other um they lived in the same neighborhood in the windsor terrace neighborhood 
uh, District Attorney Billy West said at the court hearing that they had known each other for years. West also said that both circumstantial and scientific evidence led police to identify Thomas as the killer. However, he would not say if DNA testing uh, was involved with that. As for the accused killer, William Thomas, he appeared in court on Wednesday, and you were there again. What was his reaction? Again, he showed uh, very little emotion. Um, he was he was quiet. He stood with his hands folded in front of him and said very little other than to answer the questions from the judge. Now, you also, uh, several of Taisha Williams' family members were there That's well. true. They were. They, um, there were a lot of them, and many of them had on those T-shirts that had the picture of Taisha Williams on the front, and on the back of it, they had like two pictures, and across the top of that, they had written hashtag live, laugh, and love, and then underneath the pictures, they had Taisha's birth date and the date of her death sad story we'll see how this case plays out as it moves forward i'm sure you'll keep us involved yes 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 i will certainly well our next uh, two stories we want to mention two teachers in cumberland county have been charged in cases involving students an exceptional children's teacher at jw coon elementary school is accused of hitting a nonverbal student in her class back in october that's according to an arrest document in the cumberland county magistrate's office 37-year-old April Michelle Cottle of Pepper Bush Drive was charged Monday, January 7th with assault on a handicapped person, which is a misdemeanor. Cottle has been on suspension with pay since October 23rd when the alleged incident occurred, according to Lindsay Whitley, a spokesman for the Cumberland or Lindsay Whitney, I should say, a spokesman for the Cumberland County Schools. Nancy, what's the details on this case? Well, this alleged incident was witnessed by a school custodian, according to a probable cause statement given by Detective A. Monday Monday, of the Cumberland County Sheriff's Office. The custodian's attention was drawn to the classroom by a commotion of some sort between Cottle and the student, according to the, to the statement. Cottle was yelling at the child who was crying and speaking inaudibly. No other adults were in the classroom. And a teacher in a nearby classroom um, reported that the exchange between Cottle and the student was so loud that it distracted her students and that they had to move to avoid um, being distracted while they were um, taking tests. Now tell us, what, what did the custodian see according to the documents? Well, the custodian's statement said, and I quote, Cottle drew back and her hand struck the student on the side or back of the head twice. The blows were hard enough that the student's upper body bowed down twice. The student who suffers from seizures normally wears a helmet for protection, but did not have it on at this time. According to the statement, the student could not be interviewed by investigators because the student um, is nonverbal, doesn't speak. Now, from what we've learned, this apparently was not the first time the school has had an issue with uh, this teacher's tactics. Well, apparently not. Um, According to this uh, statement, an assistant principal um, at the school told investigators that on a prior occasion, 
Cottle had a special needs student to stand in the corner of the classroom for a timeout period, which is a violation of school policy, according to the statement. When the assistant principal corrected Cottle, the statement said, Cottle responded, and I quote, If that doesn't work out, then I will just put them in the closet. Cottle is scheduled to appear in district court on February 27th. In the other case involving a teacher, a teacher at Liberty Christian Academy in Hope Mills was arrested Friday, January 4th, and charged with inappropriate conduct with a student, according to a statement by the Cumberland County Sheriff's Office. 40-year-old Loretta Nelson of Hope Mills is charged with solicitation of a child by computer or certain other electronic devices to commit an unlawful sex act two counts of second-degree sexual exploitation of a minor, and three counts of indecent liberties with a student. She is a teacher and assistant soccer coach at Liberty Christian Academy on Rockfish Road outside Fayetteville, according to the release. Give us the details on this one. Well, Sheriff's Office investigators say that Nelson exchanged inappropriate text messages with a student in November, engaged in these sexual conversations, and then sent explicit photos. The according to what investigators found. The sheriff's office received a report of this on December 1st, um, and it was said to them that a teacher at Liberty Christian was having an inappropriate relationship with a student. So detectives with the Special Victims Unit investigated and um, found enough evidence to substantiate the charges, according to what the sheriff's office has said. In our next story... Zavargo Kenta Jenkins, who is on federal probation, is being sought by Fayetteville Police and other agencies on 17 charges ranging from armed robbery to shooting into a home to simple possession of drugs. Police say he is considered armed and dangerous. What you got there? Well, on January 3rd, Jenkins is accused of robbing a man at gunpoint on Colonial Drive, which is between Ramsey and North Streets. Um, He's accused of demanding money and then shooting this victim um who was injured injured with um but did not have a life-threatening wound okay um so then jenkins is also accused of shooting into his own home on seabrook road on december 15th while it was occupied did not say who was inside um officers responded to the shooting but jenkins was not inside at the residence he was not at the residence when they arrived and um, during this, the police saw items that were what they called consistent with the sale and delivery of illegal narcotics. So they went and obtained a search warrant for this house. And the house, I might add, is within 1,000 feet of E.E. E. Smith High School and Ferguson Easley Elementary School. Which is important. That is important. Um, they found cocaine, marijuana, and drug paraphernalia inside this residence. And Jenkins also is accused of robbing a person at gunpoint of clothing, a shoulder bag, a watch, an iPhone, and money. And on December 2nd, uh, I think that was when that robbery occurred, um, but the location was not given. Now, we mentioned Jenkins is on federal probation before all this other charges. What's that for? Well, in 2006, Jenkins pleaded guilty in U.S. District Court for Eastern North Carolina to possession of a firearm by a convicted felon and possessing with intent to distribute crack, according to court documents. He was sentenced to 14 years in prison and three years of supervised release. 
Well, he was released from prison in December 2017. And if anyone should see Jenkins or know of his whereabouts, what do they do? They should call 911 or the Fayetteville Cumberland County Crime Stoppers at 910-483-TIPS. That's 910-483-8477. Well, we want to wrap up this renewal of crime time, if you will, with a sad yet touching story involving a Bladen County Sheriff's Office supervisor and three inmates. It happened January 2nd along Peanut Plant Road in Elizabethtown. Roadside cleanup crew supervisor James Smith was overseeing inmates Frank Edens Jr., Rosinda Morales Sanchez, and Roy Williams Smith. The inmates were picking up trash along the roadside. James Smith, the supervisor, collapsed near a ditch. The inmates rushed to help him, and one of the inmates found Smith's cell phone and called 911. They remained with with the officer until help arrived. Now, sadly, James Smith died after suffering a stroke, according to the Bladen County Sheriff's Office. Bladen County Sheriff Jim McVicker called the inmates, quote, good men, and they showed it with their actions. Frank Edens Jr., Rosendo Morales-Sanchez, and Roy William Smith received life-saving awards for their actions. The men remain in the Bladen County Detention Center serving their time for past misdeeds, but they did not hesitate to come to the aid of a lawman in need, and that certainly is a heartwarming story from, from that standpoint. There are inmates that maybe would have taken advantage of that That's situation. true, and it was very um, commendable. It was. They... Bill Kirby Jr. has a column in the Friday, January 11th Fayetteville Observer and on FayeObserver.com about it. It's certainly well worth a read. Well, Nancy, that's it for Episode 35 of Crime Time, coming out of hibernation on Thursday, January 10th. We welcome your comments and suggestions for Crime Time. And they said we wouldn't last. Yeah, we almost didn't. <laughs> you can reach me, Nancy McCleary, by email at nmccleary, that's McCleary with two C's, at fayobserver.com or on Twitter at fo underscore McCleary. Two C's, two C's. That's right. (laughs) Got to have those two C's or she's not going to get it, folks. Yeah, there you go. You can reach me, Sonny Jones, by email at sjones at fayobserver.com or on Twitter at F-O Sonny Jones. Well, again, thanks so much for listening. Great to be back. Hope you'll tune in next time for the next edition of Crime Time. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.